Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. You know, you can open your Bibles to John chapter 8. I started about a month ago teaching on the truth will make you free. And we talked about in the first message from John chapter 8, verse 30 to verse 32, believing, continuing in, right? And knowing the truth leads to two true freedom. Jesus said, In verse 31 and 32, if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Praise God. So when you get a hold of the truth of the word of God, amen, it will make you free. So we talked about that. The second time, we talked about how the gospel makes us free in John chapter 8, verse 33 through verse 35. And there's two aspects of the gospel. First of all, there's freedom from sin. And you find out through the gospel that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And when you understand that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, that leads to freedom from sin. But not only freedom from sin, also from freedom from legalism. Because just like sin will keep you in bondage, legalism will keep you in bondage. You know what? People are not saved by a knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. In the Old Testament, they knew their sin well, but they still weren't saved. Praise God. You're saved through knowing Jesus. Praise God. And knowing God, knowing the Father through Jesus. So there's only one way to get saved, and that's to believe on Jesus. The third message, we talked about this. It's only Jesus that gives true freedom. John chapter 8, verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus is the only one who can give true freedom. When Jesus said that, what he was actually saying was, I am your jubilee. Praise God. Now, we're going to read about today how people, some people reacted well, but a lot of people didn't react well. When Jesus told them, I am your freedom, I am the Messiah, I am the anointed one. I am your jubilee. You can read John chapter or Luke chapter four when Jesus opened his first, uh, opened his ministry, his first time in Nazareth. He went to the synagogue and they gave him the scroll of Isaiah to read. He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the the and, and all these different things. And then he closed the book and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fixed on him. And he said, today is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Do you know what? If he would have said, hey, down the road, the Messiah is coming. If he would have said, you know, years ago, there was a prophet that had the anointing on him. Nobody would have cared. But he said, today is the scripture. You know, Jesus declared that before Anyone was healed. He declared that before anyone had received those different things. And you know what? They had to believe it to receive it. And that day, some of them tried to run him off the hill and kill him. He knew it it wasn't his time. And and you know what? He got out of there. But then later that evening, they brought unto him all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. And he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all who were sick. Praise God. People either rejected Jesus or they received him. And you know, it's the same today. When you preach the word of God, when you preach the truth, people are either going to reject it or receive it. 
And you can see this later. He goes on in, here in John chapter 8, and he begins to preach the Word to them. And he talks about how our relationship with the Word determines the place that God holds in our daily life. You know, people say, I love Jesus, but I really don't like the Word. That church has too much Word. That, that doesn't correlate. Your love for Jesus is directly connected to your word, love for the Word. The Word and Christ are one. And if you don't love the Word, you really don't love Jesus. Praise God. And Jesus laid it out. And we'll read it here. We'll, so we'll begin today in John chapter 8, verse 37. We're going to be talking about, first of all, our relationship with the Word. He says in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. You know what? Telling the truth isn't always popular. Should you seek to kill me because I told you the truth, which I've heard of God. Abraham didn't do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. This isn't my idea. This is his idea. Why don't you understand my speech? He says in verse 43, because you cannot hear my word. They had no ongoing relationship with the word of God. He says in verse 44, you are of your father the devil and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he's a liar and the father of it. You know, some of these people that try to cast out devils, they want to they talk to all these people that have demons. They want to talk. You know what? You don't go talk to the demons to get people free from demons. Why do you want to talk to the, the demons anyway? They're going to lie. They're not going to tell you the truth. Jesus didn't have a conversation with the devil. He just basically said, shut up and come out. Amen. You know, I had a woman come one time and she said, I was eight hours at a meeting yesterday trying to get the devil cast out of me. And I had her free in less than 15 minutes. You don't have to have ongoing conversation with the devil. You give the devil far too much airtime. The devil is not what he used to be. He is a defeated foe. And Jesus took authority over the devil and he cast him out with his word. So don't go having a conversation with the devil. Praise God. He goes on, because I tell you the truth, in verse 45, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I say the truth, why don't you believe me? He that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. Our relationship with the word determines the place that God holds in our daily life. These people were saying that they knew God, but Jesus said, hey, you don't know me. You don't know the truth. You don't, have, you, don't, you're, you don't have the right response to the Word. So what is your response to the Word? You know, the Word will change your life. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 20, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. David said in Psalm 119, verse 9 through verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
Job says, I esteem the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, you have magnified your word above your very name. Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11 says, as the rain and snow comes from heaven and causes the earth to spring up, seed to spring up and grow, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper the thing that I sent it to. Amen? The word absolutely has the power to change your life, if you'll believe it. But not everyone responds to the word right. You can look at this and see these people had no ongoing relationship with the word. Therefore, they didn't have an ongoing relationship with Jesus. He said, you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. He goes, he says, you don't understand my speech because you cannot hear my word. He says this, he says, I speak the truth. I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Why? Because uh, he that's of God hears God's words and you're not hearing them because you're not of God. I mean, Jesus just laid it out. Jesus told the truth. Amen, we need a relationship with the word. Praise God, I don't know what your relationship with the word is, but I encourage you, amen? Spend time in the word, do it on a consistent basis. Amen, continue, amen, in the word of God. If you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, Jesus said. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You see, when you receive the word, Amen, when you receive the truth, the word and the truth are synonymous. Amen, the word and Jesus, he is the truth, are synonymous. Right, he said, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth, John 17, 17. Amen, the word and the truth are the same. Praise God, Jesus and the truth are the same. We have a world that doesn't really want truth, but where is truth? The word is truth, Jesus is the truth. Amen, this is the absolute foundation of our life is the word of God. Amen. And so when you receive the truth, the fact is that you will walk in the truth. Go with me over uh, to John's gospel, uh, epistles in 1 John. We'll start in 1 John chapter 1, and we'll read here 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through verse 7. This then is the message that we heard of him and declare to you. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness... We are lying and not telling the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from sin. Amen. If you walk in the light, amen. You know what? When you're walking in the light as he is in the light, what you're going to want to do is have fellowship with one another. And you're going to be cleansed from all sin. You know, there's two aspects of sin. There's a vertical aspect that your sins have already been forgiven between you and God. But there's also a horizontal aspect that we live in a world that's been affected by Satan and by sin. And you've got a con there's got to be a constant cleansing that goes on in that area. So he says, if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and we're being cleansed. The blood is, of Jesus is cleansing us from all sin. Go to 2 John's. And let's read in 2 John, verse 1 through verse 4. He's writing this to an uh, elect lady, chosen lady, and her children. He says, to the elder unto the elect lady and her children, in verse 1, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but all they that know the truth. Praise God. Truth fellowships with truth. For the truth's sake, which dwells in us and shall be with us. 
The truth has taken up residence in us. Jesus is the truth. And he says, it shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace and God, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. I rejoice greatly that I found of your children walking in the truth as we have received commandment from the Father. When you receive the truth, amen, you're going to walk in the truth. That's just how it works. If we go over to 3 John, read this. To the elder, the well-beloved Gaius, this is one of the chief people in this church. He says, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You know, this, this epistle is written as a father to his children or as a pastor to his church. And I, I wish above all things that you prosper and you be in health even as your soul prospers. Did you know when you are born again, your spirit is already prospering? The moment that you believe on Jesus, the, the moment that you're born again, you can't get any more prosperous in the spirit. But as your soul prospers, as you begin to renew your mind in the word of God, you'll begin to see the things that are in your spirit manifest in your body. And you'll begin to see prosperity. Now, if you believe it, if you don't believe it, you won't receive it. Don't worry about it. But if you'll believe it, you can receive it. You know, there's a lot of people that just don't believe. But keep believing the truth. Keep believing the word. Listen to what he goes on to say. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Even that you walk in the truth. When you receive the truth, you're going to walk in the truth. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Nothing brings me greater joy than, than when I hear that my children, my physical children or my spiritual children, amen, that this church, that people are walking in the truth, that people that we teach and minister to are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy. It brings me great joy to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Hallelujah. It brings me great joy. He goes on to say, But beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do to the brethren and strangers, which have borne witness of your love before the church, whom you, if you bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, you should do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers of the truth. Not only do we walk in the truth, but we want to help those who are sharing the truth. Amen. We want to invest in those who are sharing the truth. We want to be fellow helpers of the truth. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes. Now, there's basically two responses when the truth is shared, when the truth is preached. Diotrephes, who loves to have, this is one of the leaders in this church, who loves to have preeminence among them, receives us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he does, pratting against us with malicious words. There are people that they are malicious with their words and not content therewith. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, but forbids them that would and throw, cast them out of the church. Man, I, you know what? We don't need people that are casting people out of the church. We don't need people that are separating people from the church. And so basically he says this person 
is prating against us with malicious words. He's not content. Neither does he receive the brethren, but he forbids them and throws them out of the church. He says, beloved, in verse 11, do not follow that which is evil, but that which is good. He that does good is of God, but he that does evil has not seen God. You know, Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. He that does good is of God. He that does evil is not of God. The Bible says this, don't be overcome of evil. This is the last verse of Romans chapter 12, but overcome evil with good. Amen. He goes on. So we have Diotrephes who rejected the truth, who came into contention with those who were really preaching and standing up with the truth. And then we have Demetrius. He says in verse 12, Demetrius has a good report of all men and of the truth itself. How many of you want a good report with Jesus? You know, you have a good report with Jesus if you respond in the right way to the word. He says, yes, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write these to you. But I trust that shortly I will see you, and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. Our friends salute you. Greet your friends by name. So when he says, this, this brings me great joy. I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in truth. But basically, there's two responses to the truth. There's these people like Diotrephes that reject the truth, right? That fight the truth, that try to undermine the truth. He says he prats against us with malicious words and throws people out of the church. Really, that's their goal. And he says, Demetrius has a good report of all men and of the truth itself. There's people that receive the truth they have a good report, and you know what? Not only of people, but also of the truth. We want to let the truth have a place in our heart. And when we receive the truth, we're going to walk in the truth. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. See what it says here in Colossians 1, verse 5 and 6. He says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. How many of you know, we, we find out there's hope in heaven in the truth of the gospel, which is come to you as it was in all the world and brings forth fruit. The truth of the gospel brings forth fruit, as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Jesus is the grace of God, and he is the truth. And you know, need to know Jesus Amen, who is the grace of God in truth. And when you know Jesus, who is the truth, the truth will bring forth fruit in your life. When you receive the truth, you're going to walk in the truth. Amen. But not everybody receives the truth. It's like when Jesus shared the truth, not everybody received the truth. So we need, you know, our relationship with the word, the truth, determines the place that God holds in our daily life. And when we receive the word, when we receive the truth, we're going to walk in the truth. But not only will we walk in the truth, we'll speak the truth. But we need to speak the truth enfolded in love. Go back with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at this in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verse, we'll start reading in verse 14. And what he's talking about, he's talking about how God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to mature the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. He says in verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Guess what? We haven't arrived yet. So we still have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they're to mature the saints to do the work of the ministry that the body be built up. He says, till we all come in the unity of the faith 
and the knowledge of the Son of God to the complete, perfect, mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at verse 14. That we henceforth from this point in time be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. God doesn't want us to be carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know what? You need to know what you believe. You need to know what you stand for. If you don't know what you believe and what you stand for, you'll fall for about anything. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speak the truth in love. Look at this in verse 15. We are to speak the truth enfolded in love. We're to do it for the purpose of edifying or building up the body. He says, he says speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, may mature in him in all things, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. You know, if we're going to keep the body together, it takes work on the behalf of every part. Unto the effective working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body to the building up of itself, to the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that from this point, do not walk as other unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind. It's not just a mind thing, but it's a spiritual thing. And if you look at verse 18 closely here, Ephesians 4 verse 18 is really a scriptural definition of spiritual death. They have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. When people are spiritually blind, they have ignorance that's in them. They are spiritually ignorant. You know what sin will do? Sin will make you spiritually not sharp. Sin will make you spiritually ignorant. Amen? And so he says, who, who being past have given themselves over to lasciviousness or just doing what they want to, just pleasing themselves to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you haven't learned this in Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former lifestyle, behavior, way of living, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitfulness of deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know what? You need to renew your mind. Once you're born again, you need to renew your mind. And it says, be renewed in the spirit. It means there's got to be a complete renewal for the better, a renovation. You need to renovate your mind. You know, we moved here to Colorado Springs 22 years ago. And we bought a 30-year-old house 22 years ago. It was a major fixer-upper. And when we came in, we bought a house for just over $210,000 on a block where they cost between $350,000 and $400,000. This house was 30 years old, and basically it hadn't been touched for 30 years. And, and when we bought this house, did you know that it was black on the outside with yellow trim, looked like a bumblebee house. Mary Peterson is laughing. You know, Mary Peterson came over when we were fixing this up when we first got it. And she went home and told Mike, I don't know what Lawson has done to Barbara. This is a complete 
disaster. But this house, it was, uh, had oil stain on it. It was stained black. The sun had eaten through the first layer in places of it. It was terrible. And then it had yellow trim. It looked like a bumblebee house. And, the, and it had these X's like a barn. It looked like a horse barn, you know, the way they had designed. It was a ranch house. But, I mean, it, was, it had this California fiber tile roof on it. And uh, when we were inspecting it, it was actually raining. And, and, you know, it wasn't leaking. And so they said, that roof is, is no good. I said, well, it's not leaking. That's better than an old shingle roof any day. And so I said, we'll just, and so they gave us, two, I said, just take $2,000 off at closing because I could buy shingles for the house for $2,000 and, re, you know, replace it myself. But I just left it on there. But any, anyway, when you went in the house, it was all brown and black with smoke on the walls. It had this yellow or gold and dark blue and dark red shag carpet. And it, I mean, it was a mess. The kitchen cabinets were like this brown plastic and they had just grease all over them. When you touch them, I mean, it was a disaster. Had like these gold and green countertops. I mean, it was just terrible. It had one pane windows, the rain would rain in it. It, it just was terrible. But you know what? We put 27 gallon of kills and paint on the inside. We went on the outside. I went to Walmart. I guess you can't even buy oil paint here now. They were making it illegal or something. But uh, we went to Walmart, and I got this battleship gray oil paint, and we put 27 gallon of paint on the outside. We painted over all the trim with white oil paint because it was an oil stain. But you know, this had, it had a big circle driveway, and it was all grown over with scrub oak. There'd be a bunch of deer out there. You couldn't even see them from the house. I mean, it would just totally just, they, they just built it and lived in it and did not touch it. And I mean, it was filthy. They had pictures on the wall. And you'd pick up the picture and it'd be white under the picture and brown all around. I mean, it was a disaster. But you know what? We, re we killed everything. We painted everything. We put on all new flooring, all new windows, all new doors. I mean, we renovated. It had this 60-foot deck. And the, it, it was all coming apart. And we got these big four-inch deck screws and screwed it down. And Barbara went out there and killed. She took this oil black paint and put over it. It's already black, so she just blacked over it. And we kept that a few years, and they had this 501c3 in Denver, and they had like this Trex deck, and it was a different kind. And they bought a whole semi-load, and I went up there with a U-Haul trailer and picked up enough to build this whole 60-foot deck for like $2,000. And I did a lot of the work myself. And you know what? We rebuilt that deck for like $2,500, a 60-foot deck. I mean, it would probably be a $60,000 deck. <laughs> it was... A huge job, but we transformed this house. Later, it hailed, and when it hailed, I, I was walking down the street to pray, and my neighbor said, hey, I had a leak in my roof, and I had the insurance out, and they gave me a new roof, and then I had this guy that was helping me at the church and giving money to me, and he was a storm chaser, an insurance adjuster, and he said, listen, every house I've looked at in your neighborhood has got a new roof. I thought, my lightning fast mine, I better have the so I had the insurance come out. And you know what? They gave me a new roof. We put a stone-coated steel on it. Roof. And after we got that done, did you know we got this letter in the mail? We already had a new roof, and it was from the company. And there was a class action lawsuit on the people that put these California tile roofs on these houses. And, and so we, you know, I still had pictures that I'd sent into the insurance company. So I sent them to them. 
And you know what? They sent me, me $7,000 in the mail. And we had these two guys that were coming to the church. One was from Pueblo and his brother was from here. And the Lord woke me up early one morning and told me to call him. And, and I called him. And I said, guys, what is going on? They said, oh, we, we heard from these people and we've seen all this money in Russia and stuff. And there's just piles of it. And they said, if we'd give them $50,000, we could have all this. I said, if you, if you, and he said, we were going to get $50,000 a day and give it to these people. I said, if you give them $50,000, you will never see another cent of it. It will be gone forever. That is a Ponzi scheme. They were so thankful that this guy's brother in Pueblo ran a kitchen business replacing kitchens. He said, we want to replace your kitchen for our cost. I didn't have to pay any labor. They were paying all the So I bought the cabinets and I bought all cherry cabinets and silestone countertops. I paid for the cabinets and the countertops. And for the 7000 that we got for our roof, we made, we made this kitchen new. I mean, this, and we turned this place into a palace. It was gorgeous. Hallelujah. You know what? We renovated it. That's what you need to do with your mind. You know what? You need, he says, put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Don't live like the rest of the world and be renewed in the spirit. You need to renovate your mind. You need to change your mind. And your spirit changes immediately. But you know what? You've got to constantly renew your mind because you are in a world that is full of sin and full of garbage. And you know what? You've got to go, you can't even turn on the Christian radio without hearing some doubt and unbelief song. Man, so we were driving with Aaron one day, and he's like, we had the Christian radio on. And Aaron's like, shut that off right now, because it was just this doubt and unbelief song. Man, I used to drive up here before we moved here to teach in Bible school once in a while. And I remember one guy preaching, whatever it is, it's all from God. No, it isn't. There's not only a God, there's a devil. And you got to stand against the devil. You got to stand against the works of the devil. You renew your mind and you got to take authority over the devil. You know, the Bible says in Revelation 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives to the death. Jesus already paid for your victory, but that's the grace of God, the blood of the lamb. But the word of their testimony, you got to put faith, you got to believe it. So you can receive it. And they love, you got to surrender to God. You got to surrender to Christ. Let Jesus be your Lord. Amen. Praise God. You know, we got camp meeting coming. We got Mark and Trina Hankins coming. You know, his son Aaron calls him the OG of camp meetings. You know what that means? The old gangster, the original gangster. Hallelujah. The original gangster of camp meetings. You know what we're doing? We're going to kick the devil's tail. We're going to take authority. We're going to start walking in the victory that Jesus already won. Hallelujah. You know, there's victory available. You got to believe it to receive it. You got to speak it. You got to surrender to Jesus. But don't blame God for all this garbage in your life. God is not the author of death. He's not the author of destruction. He's not the author of poverty. He's not the author of sickness. Everything that comes does not come from God. There's a devil. Amen? Every good and perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If it isn't good and perfect, it did not come from God. It could not come from God. Amen? Some people just say, oh, God, whatever. Listen, there's some stuff you just need to stand up, stand against. Stand against the works of the devil. 
Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which in the likeness of God is created in righteousness and true holiness. True holiness isn't all this stuff you do to the outward man. It's what happens in your spirit when you're born again. And you renew your mind to it, and you'll live more right than you ever did on purpose before. Look at what he says in verse 25. Wherefore, put away lying. Quit lying. Some people just lie to themselves. Quit lying to yourself and speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. What you do affects other people. Amen. We got to realize it. So when we receive the truth, you know what? We'll walk in the truth. And when you begin to walk in the truth, you need to keep speaking the truth, but you need to do it. Speak the truth in fold and in love. You do it in a spirit of love that you could encourage people. We need to encourage people. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll read in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And Paul says this. We'll begin in verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, Study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you know what? You can rightly divide and wrongly divide the word of God. He says, shine and profane and vain babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Their word will eat as a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Did you know not everybody receives the truth? Not everybody receives the word. Not everybody, you know, loves the word. He says, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. There are some people that don't go with the word and they overthrow the faith of other people. But he says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Don't live in rebellion. Surrender to Jesus. He says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, who makes the choice whether you're a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor? God? No, you do. You make the choice. And how do you make the choice? By what you do with the word. If a man, therefore, will purge himself from these, he will be a vessel of honor sanctified and sufficient for the master's use and prepared to every good work. Flee also youthful lusts. Flee these things. Iniquity, youthful lusts. But follow righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they gender strife. You know what? Some questions are foolish and unlearned. I started out full-time pastoring when I was 23 years old. I could win most arguments at 23 biblically. But you know what I learned? You've got to not only answer the question, you have to discern the spirit of the question. And sometimes it's not worth, you can win the battle and lose the war. Sometimes you don't need to answer every question. He says if it's just going to cause strife and the people don't want to repent, they don't want to change their mind. He says, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, able to teach and patient, instructing those who oppose themselves. So we need to speak the truth in love. But he says, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle, be able to teach and patient. You know, when we went to Kit Carson, the pastor, after a couple years, 
One of my friends, Rachel's dad, took me to visit this man in the next town. And this man had been in a word of faith church and, and uh, that we went to visit. And we went to visit him and his wife. They were going to a traditional church. But in this word of faith church, they had been really hurt because the pastor was preaching one thing and living another. But we went and visited him and he started coming to our church and his wife. And after they started coming, did you know what? Nearly every Sunday for the first year, he would have me at the back door. If I preached anything about prosperity, if I preached anything about healing, he'd have me at the back door and he'd be saying, what about you? And I'd just tell him, go to this scripture, go to this scripture, go look up this in the Strong's Concordance, look up the Greek and the Hebrew. And I, I didn't really try. I just told him to go look it up. Go read this scripture and this scripture and read this. And after a year, and you know, I preach on prosperity and healing pretty often. Amen? Kenneth E. Hagin, Papa Hagin said, if you're going to have people fulfill their destiny, you're going to have to preach quite a bit about prosperity and healing because he said the devil will fight people in finances and he will fight them in their health trying to keep them out of the purpose and plan of God. And I believe that's the truth. But you know what? I preach quite a bit and nearly every time, so it was many Sundays this first year, and after about a year, he just quit asking me these questions. And then after about another year, he started leading mission groups and doing all these good things. He became really a good leader in the church. And he stayed there for the rest of our tenure in Kit Carson for 11 years. So we were there 13, and he was there 11 of the 13 years. And he became a very fruitful member of that body. And you know, when we left, he got up and said something that really touched me. He said, you know what? When I first came here, I asked Pastor all these questions. And he said, I never could prove him wrong. Now, he didn't say that he agreed with me. I don't know that he agreed with me. But you know what? I didn't argue with him. I didn't get mad at him. I didn't fight him. I just calmly shared the scripture and said, go look at this and go look at this and check this out. And you may be right, but you can be right and know what, uh, about the word or whatever, but you can be wrong in your attitude and you can do a lot of damage. Amen? There's some people that they're right. They know the right thing. They're saying the right thing, but they're doing it with the wrong attitude and they're doing more damage than they are good. Do you know what? I, gotta, I still got to guard my attitude. You got to guard your heart. Because we need to speak the truth, but we need to speak the truth enfolded in love. Amen? Because the heart of it is to help people grow, is to help people mature. And, and when you look at this scripture, at the end of this, he says, the servant, look at verse 24 to 26 again in 2 Timothy 2. He says, foolish, in verse 23, foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they gender strife. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men. Keep being gentle. Able to teach. Be patient. In meekness, keep a humble attitude. Instructing those who oppose themselves. They really oppose themselves. If peradventure God will give them repentance, if they'll change their mind and acknowledge the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Did you know what? If you don't acknowledge the truth, it it's the devil's trap he wants to get you in. But he says, if you'll be meek and just keep patiently teaching truth, 
if they'll, if they'll repent and acknowledge the truth, they'll recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are being taken captive by him at his will. Amen. God wants you to be free. God doesn't want you to be in the snare of the devil. God doesn't want you to be taken captive by the devil at his will. But you know what? It's your choice. And it's really by what you do with the word, because the word is truth. So we need to honor the word. Amen? We need to honor the truth. Our relationship with God, with the word, determines the place that God holds in our daily life. We need to honor the truth. We need to walk in the truth. But we also need to speak the truth in love. But we need to do it with this attitude, right, that people would be built up and edified. And, you know, you just have to be patient, and you have to leave the results to God. Man, I can't change people. I've tried to change people in my own strength. I've tried to change people in my own power. Amen? Praise God. But if you'll let God work on them, amen, God will do a work. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, amen, that the people I'm ministering to are walking in the truth. Amen? You know, I've gotten the flesh before. I've tried to do things in my own strength, in my own power. I've made people mad. I made one person so mad at Kit Carson one time. I was trying to get him to the altar and get him to repent. Man, he was out on the front step threatening to kill me. He said, I'm going to kill you. And you know, I went and preached his uncle's funeral, who was one of my best friends, one of my mentors. And he was at that funeral, praise God. And I pre preached his uncle's wife's funeral just a few weeks before that. He was at both of them. And you know what? He is in the church today. He is serving God. He is loving Jesus. And you know what? I'm just rejoicing. You know why I'm rejoicing? Because he's come to the truth. Amen? And if you know the truth, amen, the truth will make you free. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.